ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. It seems that Rumble is experiencing some more attacks, so it looks like it's going to be a bumpy ride here on Rise Up Airlines, so sit back, enjoy the show, and pray, and we'll land safely.
gentlemen. Wow, what a beginning to this show this morning. I don't know about you, but I feel rapture ready. I am prepared. I have the faith. I am ready for Jesus to come home. And I think that is what most of you took from that performance there of come let us adore him. There is just this incredible need to be back home. There's just this, like we are homesick. Christians are homesick. We want to go home. And there's nothing wrong with that. But while we're here, 
every day is a blessing and we are to bring heaven here to earth. We are to bring heaven here to earth, on earth as it is in heaven. T. Mitchell says God is here now. We don't have to wait. That's exactly right. We have a job to do. God has us here for a reason. And I am so incredibly happy to be here with you guys. Somebody said, wow, it's family time. Rise up is on. It's family time. Rise up is on. KC2022 says, we bring light to the darkness. Good morning, Halo uh, 2001. Eileen Jimenez says, Emmanuel is with us. Jeremy, if we order from your site now, can we get it before Christmas? Yes, you can order all the way up until the 17th to get it before Christmas, okay? Now, I understand that sending out all of this money that we send out for children yesterday and today might take a while to get there, and I am praying it gets all there in time, but the post office has been really terrible lately, so let's just keep praying. Amen? I like to watch the world and sing in perfect harmony. So do I. The power of Jesus is everywhere, said Scotty. CQ says, Satan is on the move, but you can't beat God. Amen. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm ready. I know you're ready. We're rapture ready. And I think it's time that we go to the Lord in prayer because I titled today's show, Being Prepared Versus Faith. How do they compare? How do they contrast? Well, we're going to be talking about that today and much more here on Rise Up. But right now, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Please remove your hats if you're wearing one. And bow your heads. And focus on the cross. Our Father God in heaven. Lord, this is a very special time of year. And we are all starting to really get into that Holy Spirit that Christmas spirit that we long for 12 months out of the year. Not just now, but this special time of year that we celebrate really, really brings the love out of people, really brings the kindness and the selflessness out of people that aren't believers because they are trying to get into the Holy Spirit, the Christmas spirit, and they don't know, maybe unknowingly it's, it's, uh, it's just the Christmas spirit for them, but it really is in touch with the Holy Spirit, and that's why Christmas is such a special time of year. And Lord, we really want to touch today on being prepared and having faith and how the two compare and contrast. In every situation in our lives, Lord, you want us to make part of our decisions. You as a major, intricate part of that decision-making process. And Lord, having you in our lives and having you in in each decision that we make really helps us to make the right decision, not based on selfishness, but based on your will. Keeping us in the word morning and night helps us understand your will and your guidance and your commands. And one of those is to be prepared. So today, Lord, help us understand what this means and exactly what we're supposed to do as Christians during these very, very trying and tumultuous times. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello from Oklahoma, says Mima Becky. Hello, Mima Becky. How are you? All right, folks, we have coffee back in stock. We just got it yesterday. Um, so if you've been waiting to order rise up coffee and it's been back ordered, we have all kinds back in stock. We'll make sure that if there's anything wrong on the website with ordering that we'll get that fixed today, but the rise up coffee is back in stock. We're rapture ready. These are in stock. That's right, folks. If you want your rapture ready t-shirt, 
Get yours today. Let me go down a little bit so you can see the whole thing. Get yours today. It says Rapture Ready here. Of course, it's got the, the JH, JeremyHarrell.com logo there. Nothing on the back. We have this bluish, navy blue color. We have black. We also have long sleeve shirts. And we have sweatpants for the winter months. Let the world know you are Rapture Ready. And you can get those on JeremyHarrell.com or LFATV.us as well. And I want to get to the... Um, I want to get to the description of episode uh, 248 today, which says this, having faith and being prepared are one in the same. A lot of unbelievers, however, will say that if God predetermines everything and we have faith that he does, then we should just sit back and let happen happen. However, that is not what the Bible says. And today we are going to talk about how you need to activate both in your life, preparedness and faith. You have to be part of the equation or the equation doesn't work, meaning you have to give something. You have to be part of the giving. Be with God and allow God to be with you. Learn how to use the tools and the skills that God gave you to be prepared for any and all situations. Let's talk about it today. Please do me the ever so kind favor of liking this video and share the gospel, not gossip. And a big shout out to Suzanne putting the Rapture Ready t-shirt link right there in the chat so you guys can open it and have it ready. Another thing we're going to start doing is for our store and our sponsors, we're going to start putting a huge QR code right on the screen when we do that sponsor so that you can just pull up your phone, pull out your camera, click it, and it'll open your phone. You can save it for later. We're going to try to make things easy for everybody, and we're going to make sure that the website coming in the next couple months is a lot more navig- a lot more easy to navigate and so much more. We're just trying to get through this year, and then we're going to implement all these new updates, upgrades, and plans here coming in January, okay? God chick, thank you, Eli, for that snowy window behind Jeremy. I miss that sometimes, and it looks pretty with the Christmas tree. Well, we figured instead of decorating in here and putting a camera on the Christmas tree in here, when we're having problems trying to reconfigure the studio to get Eli back part of the mix in a proper way, we figured, you know what? This is the best thing because it's in purview the whole time. You see the Christmas tree the whole time. You see these beautiful backgrounds the entire time. And, uh, you know... um, Eli is a great, great addition to this team. He's been here going on three years. He's going to start his third year. That's how fast we've been flying, folks. And LFA is starting its fourth year. So having said that, let's go right to one-minute prayer for dads. I've got videos to show you today. I've got um, scripture to go through today. I want to go to one-minute prayer for dads if you have the book and open up to um, a safe man. A safe man. And we can even apply this to women, too. A safe person. Ephesians 5.11. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. So I want you to, um, much like you have these uh, people in the news, like your Alex Joneses, your Jeremy Harrells, your Tucker Carlsons, the people that will do anything to expose the corruption and the evil in this country, we've got to be like that in our biblical lives. We have got to be like that in our biblical lives, meaning that we have to be 100% on the ball at all times, ready to expose evil. And that even means when evil comes our way. When we are susceptible to evil, we need to recognize it, stop it, expose it, and eradicate it. And that is our job as Christians. And the world is very lucky to have people like Mary I Am and Wayne Davis Earth is very lucky to have people like Kittenhead and Katie. The United States of America is very lucky to have people like Larry Reha and Mima Becky because you are Christians, chose for a time like this, and you people will not waver. This is called rapture ready. The people that will not waver, the people that wear that armor of God, the people that put, their self, put themselves and their family in human harm's way because they know that non-human things and spiritual forces like God are protecting them, that is rapture ready. Are you rapture ready? Hashtag it in the live chat if you are. And let's go read... From this uh, devotional now, Ephesians 5.11. We live in dangerous times for children, folks. Some men take advantage of them or other innocents. The reputation of manhood itself suffers with reports of yet another man who has violated 
another child, or another woman. Kittenhead said, why am I crying? Joy. We can help change the reputation of men by vowing in all ways and in all situations to be safe men. Men and dads who will not only not violate another person, but who will act as defenders of those preyed upon by evil men. This is a special time to be a Christian. It's a very special time to be an American. Thank you, Scotty. Have a good day, buddy. If you're heading out, thank you very much. We love you. It's a very good time. It's a very, very important time for you to be an American Christian today because in America, this country leads freedom in the world. And what leads the freedom in America is God and Christ. So you are the creme de la creme, folks. Jeremy, it still says American pecan is out of stock. Watch this. We're going to make sure that changes real quick. Do, 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 Give me a second here. Please put all coffee back in stock ASAP. Bam. That's our web guy. Big shout out to Joe. If you hear me talk about Joe, Joe is our web guy. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Heavenly Father, give me eyes to see the need to protect and defend innocence. May those who know me consider me to be a man they can count on, a trustworthy man who is a safe man for them to be around. I pray that your Holy Spirit will empower me to speak up, step up, and man up to stop abuse, stop violence against women and children. And folks, for better or worse, um, arguably our federal and state governments have waged a war on our women and our children. Men, it is time to stand up. Help me model Christian manhood for my children and their friends. Show me how to enlist other men to be safe men. Men who love you and love your people. Raise up a generation of true men. Strong spirit, soul, and body. And that is on page 175 of One Minute Prayer for Dads. Again, 175 for One Minute Prayer for Dads. How many of you have or had a strong man in your life growing up? Have now a man that you can know that you can just go to bed and wake up and he will protect you, that he will provide for you. How many of you had that as a father growing up? Now, I know that there's many people on LFA, in the LFA family, who had horrible fathers growing up. But I want to see where the strong men are. I want to see if you guys had a strong father. I want to see if you have a strong husband. I want to know if you have strong sons in your home. Ladies and gentlemen, we are, I'm telling you, God is on the move, and he's creating some really amazing situations. Not me, says J-Rock. Not my dad, but my pastor was and still is. I did and do. So blessed. I have both, Larry said. Wow. My dad, said Jay Gisme. My father raised 15 children with one income, said L. Jacobs. Wow. I did, and I was blessed, says Race Mom. John and Sandy, I had a wonderful father and a loving husband. He is a strong husband, and so is our son. I had a very strong, awesome father. Weak father, but strong sons, CQ. Amen. That's because God is filling in for their, their earthly absent father. My daddy, my father-in-law, husband, and son, blessed. I have three strong sons, says Peg. Wow. There are, ladies and gentlemen, There are strong-willed, God-fearing, American patriotic men that are still out there willing to fight not only for the individual rights of each and every person, man, woman, and child in this country, but also around the world. And that's why when I played that video the other day on Live from America, where that guy said, we're not going to stop once we start. Once we rid our country of corruption and evil, we're going to go and we're going to rid it from the world too. That's the American. That is the American. And that's the American spirit. Truly incredible. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want to go 
And I want to talk about the reason why I am talking about this today, being prepared versus faith. Let me take a drink of my coffee, and then we'll get to it. Join me, will you? By the way, this came to me, rapture ready. This wasn't something that I saw and stole. This wasn't something that I borrowed from somebody else. This rapture ready was something that God said to me one day. He said, are you rapture ready? And I'm like, that's something that everybody needs to wear. Because if you're rapture ready, this, this belongs to you. This needs to be on you. You need to be out there wearing this, showing the world I'm rapture ready. And when somebody says, what is that? Woo! Tell them. Tell them. Now, having a strong man in your life can lead you to be a prepared person, whether you are a wife or whether you are a child or whether you are an adult child of that man. Having a strong, God-fearing man in your life will cause you to be prepared for any and all things. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us in many, um, in many instances, the Bible tells us to have your oil lamps burning. Nobody knows the hour in which Christ will return, except for the Father, not even the Son. That's the faith part of it. So being prepared and having faith, that's where they connect. That's where they connect. Dottie says, I am buying Rapture Ready shirts for Christmas gifts. Amen. Somebody asked who makes this, these shirts. Well, we have LFA audience members who have businesses make these shirts. Actually, who made these shirts was the guy here locally who does our website, Joe. But we also have shirts coming from Advantage Specialties with Jane Call. We actually have hats coming from Barb Naylor and coffee mugs. We, uh, we have um, uh, uh, Holly, who we got to order some shirts from for the new year. I'm telling you, folks, we stay and stick together. Rapture ready. You just said it one day on Rise Up. Exactly. Exactly. L. Jacobs says, Jeremy, can you send to Canada, please? The hard thing about sending to Canada is that we can't. Every time we try, it gets sent back. Something about customs or something, it's just difficult. It's just difficult. I don't understand it. Um, but we will. I'll ask Sabrina to look into that again. <laughs> Eli says, I wish we could it up, but we can't it up. <laughs> Well, I feel left out. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're trying. We really, really want to help you. Canadian customs is difficult. It sure is. All right. Um, I want to get to a video. And then I wanted to, I saw a video and it, it sparked me to do this topic today. So this video in which we're all about to watch together sparked this topic today. So let's go there now. Perfect. All right, this is talking about David and Goliath. Now, what this guy says, I love. Don't get me wrong. I love what this guy says. However, I went and did some research on this, and there is really no evidence to point to the fact of what he's saying is correct, but there is evidence to point to what he's saying that is really talking about being prepared and having faith. All right, here we go. Listen closely. Familiar with David killing Goliath. Yep, here we go. What you got for me? Oh, What's yeah. the nugget you got here? Oh, there's a nugget in there. Go ahead. David goes out to take lunch to his brothers, the Philistine giants standing out there challenging the whole army. This little old ruddy-faced kid says, Who that big old thing think he is challenging my God like that? He says, shh, shh, shh. You're going to cause a disturbance. He said, man, I could take him. Well, word got to Saul, the king. They called him and tried to give him the Saul's armor. That didn't work. He said, I can't do this with this stuff. I ain't never proved that. I'll take what I know with my slingshot. He said, boy, that sling ain't going to help you. He said, God delivered a bear and a lion to me while I was watching my daddy's sheep. God's got my back. So the Bible says that he went out past the river Jabbok and picked up five smooth stones. If he already knew that God was going to give Goliath to him, why did he pick up five stones? Kind of just taking action on the faith? Why? If you study your Bible long enough, you'll find out Goliath had four brothers. Wow. So one for each one? He had a rock for each one in case them four brothers stepped up. Sheesh. Hmm. That's a nugget. Bingo. That's a nugget. Now, that is a great, great story. And he's not completely wrong. He did bring four extra stones just in case. But as I went and 
I really, I thought, I, I thought to myself, whoa. Whoa. Like, David literally found five stones because Goliath had four brothers and he was going to wipe out each and every one of them if they stepped up. Whoa, what a story. So I went and did some research on that. I don't think that's entirely true, but I do think it's entirely true that David picked up five stones to be prepared. Even though he had the full faith that God was going to deliver him, he knew that was going to happen. God is going to deliver me. I don't need five stones. I only need one. Because you can't beat God. But I'm going to grab these other four to be prepared like your oil lamp on the side of your bed because anything can happen. Now, I want to get into the reason why I don't think what that man said is true. I actually have it pulled up. My research that I did this morning on this, and I went to three different sites to read about Biblical scripture of Goliath's family, okay? Now, my preacher spoke about the stones being for his brother as well. Okay, good. So you go to the Bible. If you go to the Bible and you go to specific points in the Bible, which I'll be able to to just talk out um, scripture here. So when I speak and read, I'm going to read scripture that, it, that is where this is pulled from. And then you can write down the scripture and you can go read for yourself. Okay. The question here is, did a young King David have to fight Goliath, the Philistine giant and his four brothers? Why did he take five stones into battle? The answer. Well, to get the answer, folks. We need to first cover how big and how strong Goliath the giant who challenged Israel and battled David really, really was. Does anybody know how big he was? He was, of course, a giant from the city of Gath. The Bible states he was six cubits and a span tall. Now, you can get that information by going to 1 Samuel 17 Four. Various Bible commentaries place the length of a cubit anywhere from 43 centimeters to 53 centimeters. Hemlock, you are actually around the, you're actually closest to the, to the actual height of what he was. He was about nine feet, maybe give or take. All right. According to the Bible anyway. The length of, the, of a span is believed to be around 23 centimeters. Goliath, the giant of Gath, was easily 2.8 meters tall and likely a little bigger. So 2.8 meters. How long is a meter? A meter is about 3.3 feet. Okay? So if you take 3.333 feet which is more than a yard, then, and it says he was easily 2.8 meters, maybe taller, then you can probably take in there, he was anywhere from eight and a half to 12 feet tall in that range. Now think about that. Think about that. Our biggest basketball players are like seven foot something. This guy's nine foot plus, plus he's massive. Imagine the size of this man. And you can get that in 1 Samuel 17, 5 through 7, if you want to write these down. Now, the protective coat that was worn by Goliath in his battle with little David weighed at least 78 U.S. pounds. Jeremy, raptured, small or out of stock because we don't have any smalls. We didn't get smalls. We, we hardly sell any smalls. Um, so I think we went right to medium. Just so you know. Um, and that's why we end up with so much extra merch sometimes because we buy way too much. Um, awesome information, said Kittenhead. Exactly. So anywhere from 9 to 12 feet tall, I mean, give or take, somewhere in that area. Could be a little bit more, could be a little less. We're just going on what we have. So the protective coat that Goliath wore was close to 78 U.S. pounds, all right? 
or 35.4 kilograms. Some people can't be rapture ready, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess not. Uh, not unless we sell all these out. We sell all these out, then I'll, then I'll get more. We'll get more. Uh, the length of his spear may have been as long as 26 feet. Think about that. So this man is anywhere from 9 to 12 feet tall, or maybe taller, in that range, okay? He's massive, and he's got a spear that is up to 26 feet long. The head alone on his spear weighed at least 17 U.S. pounds. So you've got this 26-foot spear, roughly, and the spearhead weighed 17 pounds, and you got this guy who is 10 feet tall. Now, to go and talk about his brothers, this is why we're, get, we're getting into David's, or Goliath's family here. The question assumes that David picked up five slingshot stones in order to fight Goliath and his four similarly gigantic brothers. But now... We know from 2 Samuel 21, that is 2 Samuel 21, that there were at least four other Philistine giants. The King James and other biblical translations use the phrase sons of giant to refer to those produced by large men. This is an interesting translation issue. However, in this chapter, in that the term translated the giant is the plural and it uh, it can mean Rephaim, R-E-P-H-A-I-M, Rephaim, okay? You've heard of Nephilim, Rephaim, there's all these close connected words. Now, Ishbi Banab, who was one of the, who was the, uh, who was of the sons of the giant Rapha or Rephaim, Strong's Concordance, Number H7498, being girded with a new sword, thought to kill David. But Abishai, the son of Zoruhah, came to his aid and struck the Philistine and killed him. Now it came to pass, after there was again a battle with the Philistine, Philistines at Gob, then Sebekai, the Hushatite, killed Saph, S-A-P-H, who was one of the sons of the giant, Rapha or Rephaim. So that led to, that left two left. The reason why we're talking about this, folks, is because there's no possible way, if you hear that David picked up five stones for Goliath and his four brothers, that that was the case, because two, as of right now that we're talking about, are dead. So that only leaves Goliath and two more left. And there was again a battle with the Philistines in Gob, where Elhanan of Bethlehem, the son of Jeroagim, killed one of the sons of Goliath, the Gittite. And there was yet again another battle in Gath, and there was a man of stature who had six fingers on each hand, and six toes on each foot. I'm sure you remember this in the Bible. 24 in number, and he also was born to the giant Rapha, or Raphaim. And you can find that in 2 Samuel 21, 16, 18 through 20. The Raphaim was a race or breed of giants, such as Og, the king of Bashan, who had a bedstead of about 13 and a half feet in length and six feet wide, Deuteronomy 3, 3, and Joshua 12, 4. I'm making sure I give you guys all the scripture, okay? Now, although one of the four Philistine giants mentioned above was the brother of Goliath, 2 Samuel 21, 19, 1 Chronicles 25, which preserved the text more correctly, the others are not clearly said to be. Scripture additionally does not reveal how many total brothers Goliath ever had. Another giant race in the Bible are called the 
Anakim, which is where people get the Anunnaki from fallen angels. Okay? Numbers 13, 28, 32, and 33. But it does not appear that they were related to the Philistine whom David fought and killed. So, ladies and gentlemen, what is interesting from the viewpoint of faith as opposed to preparedness is that David took five stones, as you'll read about in 1 Samuel 17.40, not just one, despite believing in God and God's protection. He prudently planned that it might take more than one stone to kill the giant man, much as Jacob carefully prepared before encountering his brother Esau, which you can go to Genesis 32 and 33. Now, clearly, Jacob was a man of God. Clearly, Jacob, I mean, clearly this this family was a man of God. Clearly, they put God in in a high uh, regard and a high reverence. Clearly, they had a standard of God, Jacob and Esau's family, even though there was some deceiving going on there. They still prepared, believing God was on their side. God just doesn't want us to say, okay, we have faith, handle life. No, he wants you to get engaged, get prepared for any and all things. David also chose smooth stones very wisely, folks, in order to make sure that he could maximize his accuracy and speed because if he got clunky stuff, clunky stones, clunky rocks, it would slow down the speed of the stone and it would throw it off its trajectory from where he wanted to aim it. Now, David spent much of his time by himself with sheep. I'm sure this man became an expert with this thing. He knew every rock he should have. He knew every stance he should take. He knew how far he could be away from a target. He knew how much force he could hit a target with. Doesn't mean he didn't want to be prepared. So in conclusion, young David fought only a single giant, Goliath. The Bible tells us that. In the famous Bible confrontation of 1 Samuel 17, later in his life, however, he would fight the physically large and powerful Philistine, Philistines many times on occasion and win and win and win and win. So, being prepared, being ready for any and all things is not only a biblical command, but is a common sense human thing to do. David knew he was going to go fight a guy that was 10 feet tall or bigger with a 26-inch spear with a 17-pound head wearing armor that weighed almost 100 pounds just on the top. The man most likely was massive, and he said, I'm going to be ready for any and all things. I've got the Lord, and I'm prepared with these five stones, and I'm going to do what I've got to do. It took one because God is so amazing. It took one one stone, one sling, and one sword, and the battle was done. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is biblical history. And I believe I poked holes in that statement that said David picked up five stones, one for each of Goliath's brothers and himself. I love doing that stuff, by the way. Did you enjoy that? Did you enjoy that breakdown? Because I very much did. Let's uh, bring up the Rumble Chat. Um, and I have fun doing that in the mornings, too. I get up, you know, 5.30 in the morning, and I'm, I'm in the word, folks. Um, so I enjoy doing that, and I enjoy doing it with you a little later. Jeremy, will you ship to Canada? Yeah, if we can ship to Canada, we will ship to Canada. But every time we do it, it gets shipped back, no matter what we try even. Yes, I have checked out the chronological timeline. Oh, yeah, the chronological timeline all the way from Adam until now is just absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing, Diane. And then the cross-references of facts and, and prophecies is, is mathematically impossible if there's, if there's not a God. It's, it's, there is a God because it's mathematically impossible, right? 
Needed this message today. Thank you. I have clarity now. Awesome breakdown. Absolutely love learning this. I love hearing it. This is some great knowledge. Love breaking down scripture. My brain can't handle all of this while filling in at work. Have a great day, y'all. Five different sizes of stones. David thought, if this stone doesn't work, maybe we'll get another. Exactly. He was literally preparing. He was actually doing what God told him to do. Have faith. Be prepared. Be ready. And he didn't want the armor. The armor was too clinky. It didn't work. He just had God in his slingshot. A pretty amazing story. So, being prepared versus faith. Yes, you must have faith. And yes, you must be prepared. And no, sitting back and having God take care of it because God predetermines everything is not the way to do it, folks. You're never going to get anything done that way. You've got to be prepared. You've got to be earthly prepared, spiritually prepared, heavenly prepared, godly prepared. You've got to be prepared for everything because what does the Bible tell you? That Satan waits around every corner waiting to devour you like a hungry lion. And I don't care if you're just going to the bathroom, he's waiting. You've got to be prepared. Which is why most of our sponsors here on LFA are about being prepared. Incredible stuff. And now we've got some videos, folks. And I want to show you this video right here. Now you've heard it said. Let me ask you this question. What covers a multitude of sins? Hmm? What covers a multitude of of sins. I'll guarantee you everybody will say a four-letter word. Let's pull it up on the Rumble chat. I want to see what the LFA family thinks what covers a multitude of sins because there's a couple answers here. The blood of Christ. Love. A blanket of gold. (laughs) Blood of Jesus. Love. Love. Grace. Repentance. Charity. Love, faith, the blood of Jesus. Well, if you said love, you were correct. If you said the blood of Jesus, you are correct. But there's one other thing that nobody mentioned. Bringing souls to Christ. Helping somebody who either fell away from the faith or who never had it to begin with to Christ. The Bible tells us that if you do that, if you can just bring one soul outside of yourself to Christ, boy, you're paying off a lot of bad parking tickets. Not that Jesus hasn't already, but man, are you paying off a lot of bad parking tickets. And you're really bringing favor to God when you do that. Check out this video. I love this video right here. Um, There it is. Brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. James 5.20. What a powerful message for you to remember. What do we do here every day? How many of you have said, rise up has brought me back to Christ. Thank God that somebody gave me this link one day. God bless the person who forwarded me that newsletter email that day. I've been watching the show ever since. Look at what we're doing here. We're force multiplying. God is bringing strong people together, whether it be political, whether it be for country, whether it be for family, or whether it be spiritual. God right now is doing such remarkable work that he's bringing the warriors together. And once the warriors come together and that trumpet is sound, and I'm not talking about the rapture trumpet yet, I'm talking about the war cry. The soldier of God, army of God, war cry. Once all of these strong people come together in the name of God, what a force to be reckoned with. 
What a force to be reckoned with. And we're out there helping people come back to Christ. That's being a Christian. That's being a Christian. And now, to turn on the waterworks for a minute, get your, uh, get your Kleenexes ready, get your tissues ready, because here's another great example of what being a Christian is all about. And I think every one of us, I think every one of us can learn from what this little girl's message is, especially for the Christmas season. Roll it. My prayer is that someday down the road, I'd get to spend some time with the man who shot my father. Not to scream at him, not to yell at him, not to scold him, simply to tell him about Jesus. conversations with my dad about him losing friends and officers in the line of duty. I have heard all the stories you can think of, but I've always had such a hard time with how the suspect is dealt with. Not that I didn't think there should be justice served, but my heart always ached for those who don't know Jesus. Their actions being a reflection of that. I was always told that I would feel differently if it happened to me. But as it's happened to my own father, I think I still feel the same. There has been anger, sadness, grief, and confusion. And part of me wishes I could despise the man who did this to my father. But I can't get any, of, any part of my heart to hate him. All that I can find is myself hoping and praying for this man to truly know Jesus. I thought this might change if the man continued to live, but when I heard the news that he was in stable condition, part of me was relieved. My prayer is that someday down the road, I'd get to spend some time with the man who shot my father, not to scream at him, not to yell at him, not to scold him, simply to tell him about Jesus. And that is being a Christian. Could you do that? Hard question to answer if you've, you know, if not had it happen, but could you do that? Wise beyond her years. What a great young lady. What an absolutely beautifully great young lady. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the next few minutes or so, I want to play some Frank Turek for you. Why should we trust the memory of the New Testament writers? Many of the New Testament documents were written decades later, mm -hmm. um, upwards of, like, up to 90 AD with John's Book of Revelation. Mm -hmm. Does that decrease the credibility of the word-for-word word word understanding of it. Like, can we, except for our faith that it was inspired by the Holy Spirit, can we say with any evidence that it is true word-for-word word because it was written decades later? First of all, not all of it was written decades later. Uh, there are some people who are saying that the Gospel of Mark may have been written even, as, even in the late 30s, certainly the 40s, uh, the gospel, I mean, um, Galatians was probably written about 49 AD. Uh, but the important point here is not when the documents were written down, 
but what sources did went into what the writers wrote down. And Dr. Gary Habermas, who is the top scholar in the world on the resurrection, he's been teaching at Liberty University for years. He got his PhD at Michigan State, went through about a 10-year period of doubt himself, but is finishing his magnum opus right now on the resurrection. It's over 5,000 pages long. And Dr. Gary Habermas has found at least 41 creeds in the New Testament that predate when the documents were written down. For example, one of the most famous ones, and it's probably the earliest evidence for the resurrection in the entire Bible, is 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 to 8, where Paul says, I received what I'm now passing on to you. And he talks about that Christ died, was buried, rose again, and whom he appeared to. That creed was something that even skeptical scholars like Bart Ehrman up at uh, Chapel Hill here admits is extremely early. In fact, some say it's within months of the alleged resurrection. These creeds were easy to remember because many of the people were illiterate. So they put it in a rhythmic form so people could remember it. Those creeds were later written down and in 1 Corinthians was written down probably in about 55 AD, but it had circulated uh, since about 33 AD, and it was known as a creed, and everybody knew it. Paul just put it in the letter he wrote to the Corinthians. So the sources are more important than the dates of when the document was written. How about a modern-day example? If I right now wanted to write, say, a, uh, a book about the Vietnam War, and I went and interviewed a lot of Vietnam War veterans, and they gave me their eyewitness testimony, What's more important, their eyewitness testimony or when I wrote it down? Their eyewitness testimony. Exactly. But so they're it, remembering from years later. What's that? They're remembering years later, so their word-for-word -word memory may not be as accurate as it would be the day after they experienced Well, something. it depends. There is something known as an impact event. An impact event is something you will never forget. In fact, only some That's of you right. will be able to answer this question, maybe just a few. But how many in this room can remember where you were and what you were doing November 22nd, 1963? Hold your hand up. You see these people, ladies and gentlemen, with their hands up? These people are very old, okay? <laughs> I was two years old in two days. I'm a toddler. I'm standing in the living room at our home in Wanamassa, New Jersey, and my mother is sitting on an ottoman in front of a black and white TV weeping uncontrollably. They killed the president. They killed the president. President Kennedy assassinated that day. I can still see my mother in my mind right now when she was 26 years old sitting on that ottoman crying. She's 85 now. But I can see her when she was 26. So, ladies and gentlemen, impact events. And I want to... Uh, uh, what, Frank Turek, I got to get him on. I've talked to Frank many times. I have his phone number. Um, I, I got to get him on because he... Much like Ray Comfort, he has his own style and way of doing things, but he comes things he comes at things from a completely different perspective as as Ray Comfort and in and, and a different way that he evangelizes. And what a what a tremendous thing to, to bring up. Impact event. How many of you know where you were on September 11, 2001? See what I'm saying? Exactly. You remember every second of it as if it was yesterday. And what a great point to bring up when somebody says, well, the Bible was written 80 years after, 60 years after, 100 years after. Doesn't matter. Eyewitness testimony is always key. So, ladies and gentlemen, have faith. Be prepared with knowledge, with your armor of God. Be rapture ready because you never know when the hour is coming. Neither does Christ. So, Thank you for being here today. Mike Crispy is coming up next. I have put the link to his show in the comment section below. I've also put it right in the live chat. I'm going to put it there again right now so that you have no excuse for not going and supporting Mike Crispy and producer Frankie next on Unafraid, ladies and gentlemen, followed by two hours of Live from America. I want to thank you all for being here today. It's been a pleasure, and I'm going to leave you with the same way that I brought you in some great Christmas music. Again, Mike Crispy's coming up next. Please give him the honor of at least giving him a like if you can't watch the show. If you can watch the show, I'll see you in the thread, and I'll see you at 11. Thank you very much. You're Christ the Lord. We know, we know you are. You're Christ the Lord.